Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Forum Club. No Bill Orm today, just me, Anthony Slater, and Jovan Buha to talk about the steaming hot Lakers who, without their two best players, have won two in a row against just, you know, elite competition. No, the Cavaliers and the Magic, which I remember last week, Jovan, on, on our podcast, you know, just kind of mentioning, like, just get those two. And you're like, I don't know if they can get those two. And it's not like it was easy, but they got those two. So to me, like, that's that's the stabilization they needed. Like, the losses are coming, but to get those two wins is big. It kind of avoids disaster, right? I was going to say, the end of that Orlando game was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Otto Porter Jr. got a pretty good look. I, I thought, for, from my vantage point, I was, like, directly – diagonal behind him and it, it looked good you know so there was like a half second there where i was like this is just going to be another home overtime game uh, against uh, a crappy team but um yeah i mean I, I think you know to your point like cleveland and orlando were must wins for them and you know i i don't use that term lightly right because if you look at the upcoming stretch of schedule uh milwaukee on on wednesday is, is going to be a really tough game then you got at Sacramento, which I think is a winnable game. But then after the hot that, it's, Kings, the hot, I don't know. De'Aaron Fox is balling. I think it's winnable. I'm not it saying is. Like, it's I, winnable. I it is winnable. It I, is I don't know if they're going to be favored, but um, and look, they they already lost to Sacramento without LeBron in in eighty, you know, before the All Star break. But but then after, I mean, it's it's winnable in comparison with this stretch here, where you got at Clippers, yeah. at Raptors, at Miami, at Brooklyn, at New York, at Charlotte, like. And, and, you know, we said it last time, like New York and Charlotte aren't pushovers. Like those are going to be two tough games. And it, I don't think it's insane to see the Lakers going something like one in six or two and five over the seven game stretch. Like, you know, maybe I'd put the over under at like 2.5, but I, I would not be shocked if they went one and six or, or two and five. Like this is going to be a, a brutal um you know, just seven game trip. And technically two of the games are in California. So it's, it's really a five game East coast swing, but um, you know, th- those are all playoff teams and, and all teams uh, that, that have been playing fairly well recently. And uh, you know, I guess Charlotte took a, a bit of a hit with, with LaMelo ball out, but you know, they're still in the playoff hunt. And I just, yeah, I mean, this is a tough stretch. And, and from all indications are LeBron and AD are going to miss at least a couple more weeks at, uh, on the, the short side. So that should take them through this stretch. And, um, you know, I, I doubt we see them until they get back from that. What's your latest sense on Davis? You know, LeBron, it seems a little simpler, like, you know, high ankle sprains, usually four to six. You'll get a better sense as you see his court work. Davis's injury is a lot more obscure. The timeline's been pushed back a few times. Like, you thought he would beat LeBron back, but it sounded like you're unsure if he will. Just where are you at on him? I really don't know. It's It's, it's so interesting because on friday um yeah you know this this past friday a few days ago 
that was the two week mark in which he was supposed to have a reevaluation. And the two weeks earlier had been the two week mark that the Lakers had reevaluated him. And then they're like another two weeks. So then that Friday we asked Frank Vogel before the game and he acted like he had no idea what we were talking about. And he actually got pretty defensive. Uh, he even got a little heated because there was multiple follow-ups to that of like, you know, this was the two week window. You, you said this two weeks ago. And, and he was like, I don't know where you guys are hearing this. You know, other people have been reporting things and saying things about AD. So he got super defensive about it. And then the Lakers actually had to um, release a statement pregame kind of clarifying the situation and saying that AD has progressed. He is returning to on-court activity, but they didn't specify what type of on-court activity and that he's he's ramping up. I mean, we've seen him pregame for, for the last couple Standstill jumpers is not like full scrimmaging in practice. Like, do, do you get the sense he's anywhere close to like joining a practice and like scrimmaging or no? We just have s- such little information on it and they're obviously not going to you know really talk about that. But I mean, my, my sense is no. Like, I, I guess if I had to speculate, I, I would think he's out another couple weeks, like, so, like two weeks on the short end, maybe three weeks on the longer Will end. Will they be on the? Do you know yet if they'll be on the East Coast road trip? LeBron and AD. Yeah. Um, we because we, if we they're not even there, that. that would like rule them out of a team practice for a while. My guess is is maybe they join them in like the New York part of the trip, or or you know, or maybe when they they head east because the, the first two games are going to be California, um, you know, with, with Sacramento and the Clippers. So I, I, they really won't have to know until a little bit into the trip, technically. Um, but you know, that, there's something we're, we're planning on asking them. So um, I'll, I'll probably have an update by by next podcast. But yeah, I mean, it's just so much is up in the air with, with those two, and uh, you know, it, it just I said it, you know, uh, you know, last podcast, like it, it it feels weird to evaluate these stretches of games because we're probably never going to see the Lakers play a meaningful minute of basketball without LeBron or AD on the floor. And, um, you know, of course that that's presuming they both come back. They're, they're both healthy for the playoffs, but if they're not like, then we're having a different conversation where we're not really viewing them as the favorite, you know, the favorites, co-favorites, or even potentially a contender. Like, I, I think if you take either one of those guys off, I don't know if this team can win a championship. So, I mean, for sure, if you take LeBron off, they're not winning the championship. You take AD off. I still think they're, they're really good, but, I, I mean, I just don't think they could beat like a Brooklyn or a Clippers team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I just I don't know. I, I, this is a really weird stretch of, you know, we've been talking about it, I feel like for weeks now. This is the dog days. They just got to get through this. And and those wins against Cleveland and Orlando help because, you know, I, I think everyone matters at this point. Yeah, for sure. Anything within those two games. I mean, just to me, like how Kuzma took 15 threes yesterday yeah. which, uh, in the Orlando game. I like that. Um, it's it's a little chucky, but at this point, like you, know, you go back to the Cleveland game, what do you take like seven total shots? Maybe it was like a reversion. Um, but I don't know, be aggressive. This this is his time to be the Kyle Kuzma that he once thought he could be, right? Yeah. Um, a couple things for me. Um, Montrezl Harrell has just gradually looked more comfortable in the offense. I think the Lakers have leaned into the Trez pick and roll more, where you know we we know he's one of the elite rollers and finishers in the NBA like you know that that is his best NBA skill uh and I, I think that they've done a better job of using that and it has been kind of weird where some of these you know in some of these games without LeBron and AD 
you would think they'd lean on it even more, you know, where it's like, okay, it's one thing when those two guys are playing or or one of them is playing and you're going to run the offense through them. You're going to run LeBron pick and roll or LeBron ISOs or post-ups and AD ISOs and post-ups. But when those two guys are out, like you should be feeding Trez, right? Like you should be using him in those situations. And I think Frank has you know, leaned into that more recently, but I'm surprised it kind of took him so long, but I, I thought Trez's looked really good. The other thing though, from, from, I would say a slightly negative standpoint is I, I, I want to be careful how I phrase this, but I, I kind of feel like THT has been a little disappointing and, and has not taken the step that we thought he would take. Um, and, and that, you know, sort of his progress you know, throughout the season has indicated he was ready to take because I just think, you know, this, this is your time. If, if you're THT and, you know, you, you are a guy who's shown he can, you know, play make and, and get to the rim at, at a high level uh, for, for, you know, in, in stops and starts, like without LeBron and AD, THT should be a more reliable offensive option off the bench, in, in my opinion. And I don't know if, if that's putting too much pressure on him or what, but the fact that he hasn't been able to put up you know, he's been quite inefficient during this stretch. Like that to me, I just, I think it signals he might not be as ready as maybe we thought. And I don't know how much the Lakers will be able to rely on him come playoff time based on some of the stuff I've seen recently. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I mean, we talked about last week. This is where he sets his market because this is where he tells the league what he can be away from you know, superstars around him in a bigger role. Were you surprised? I mean, we can get into the deeper reporting on this, and I would like to have a Dennis Schroeder discussion, but were you surprised that the Lakers' walk-away point seemed to be THD in in Kyle Lowry talks? No, because in conversations I had had leading into the trade deadline, like the the, the day before the trade deadline, I wrote a story, um, a a column saying I, I felt they should be opportunistic buyers right where um you know already they had kind of reshaped the rotation and and probably you know had more changes than than the average defending champion right for the most part most defending champions you bring back your top seven or eight maybe you tweak and end a bench guy or have like one splashy addition but the lakers had basically an overhaul right like they they changed two starters um you know, well, I mean, technically three with, with KCP, you know, officially becoming a starter, but, you know, really added two starters, added two key bench guys in, in Wes and Trez. And, um, you know, we, we had seen a lot of overhaul that that isn't common for a defending champion. So I was kind of like, why not go a little bit more in that? And if you can find an upgrade, even a small one, you should go for it. Like that, that was just kind of my opinion, especially with the the potential variance with LeBron and 80s health. Um, so. But I, I had heard that, you know, the, the, the two assets that they really wanted to hold on to were THT and that 2027 first round pick and that maybe they'd be willing to part with with one and, and that one more likely being the, the, the pick. But from, you know, everything, all the reporting 
um, from like what we did, but also seeing what was reported with other teams. It does seem like Toronto was going like, deep into talks with teams and then kind of trying to up the ante at the end and asking for more. And I think for the Lakers, um, I mean, look, like honestly, from Toronto's side, I, I don't see why you would pick the Lakers package, um, you know, without THT, right? Like, I don't think Dennis KCP and a first round pick is enough for Kyle Lowry personally. So I, I get why Toronto wouldn't do it. A late but the first fact, too, right? Like, well, yeah, and a late first. probably be 28 or something. Well, who knows what? I mean, it's 20, well, it's yeah, 20, 20, 20 too. Yeah, we, we don't know what, where the Lakers are going to be then. That's almost just too far away to care, though, particularly for like a front office and a core. I mean, it's it's nice to get, and I guess you can sweeten in other words, but I'm with you um, to trade a franchise legend for basically what? two guys that aren't part of you know your rebuild and a 2027 pick yeah and if you're trading for dennis like are you re-signing him like can he play with fred van vliet uh you know probably not well, so this creates a bigger question that we should talk about are the lakers planning on re-signing dennis Schroeder? because it you know the fact that he's in those talks the fact that they went so far down the road on lowry you know and i know that you've written plenty about this reported plenty about this but um that this Schroeder relationship partnership doesn't seem as um, you know sturdy in its future than than we maybe thought. And I think it was Windhorse reported today that that Schroeder had turned down four for eighty four million dollar extension. Um, where are you at on Schroeder? You know, it's interesting because I think with him, it's a tricky situation because he's been very vocal. Uh, right, like from from training camp, you know, from from day one of talking. I'm not to a media, bench player. Yeah, he, yeah, he came out and said he's not a bench player. He's the starting point guard, and I think from some conversations from behind the scenes, like it, it did seem like that put a little bit of pressure on the Lakers, where they had not decided what the starting five was. You know, remember last season they went with Avery Bradley as kind of an, an off guard, you know, quote unquote point guard, and then they shifted to KCP in that spot, right, and. and they did. They didn't go with another traditional point guard or, or semi-traditional, you know, ball handler next to LeBron. They, they put the ball in his hands and, and made him the point guard, and that worked. They they won a championship. Um, so I think you know he from from day one he kind of applied that that pressure, and then from the second game of the season, you know that that Christmas game, he came out and said, "I want to extend with the Lakers. You know, I want to be here. I love the franchise." Um, but then he he kind of added in the caveat, like it has to be fair for both sides, though. Then, you know, recently it was brought up last week, uh, his extension. And again, he said, I want to stay, uh, you know, I want to be here, but it has to be fair for both sides. So he has already kind of been playing the the media game a little bit um, in terms of setting certain narratives. And then you had the whole situation with him being included in the talks and it coming out that he wants 20 plus million on a multi-year deal. And then that night he, he spoke with us and, and he changed his tune. And all of a sudden it was, well, you know, I do want to be here. This is my first choice, but I, I do want to test free agency. I, I do want to see, you know, I've never been a free agent. I want to see what options are out there. I want to see what teams can offer me, what teams are interested in me. So, I, I mean, I, I think clearly like he was at, at least offended a little bit and upset a little bit by, um, you know, by being included in the, in the Kyle Lowry talks, I, I think if you, if you, look, I mean, you, you could read the quotes, but if you actually watch the video, like you could see it in his face, he was upset. So yeah, that's that's the danger of going down that road and not 
you know, completing the task. I mean, the Warriors uh, are dealing with it now with Kelly Oubre. They shot Kelly Oubre around, and now suddenly you get past the deadline, and, you know, where you held the Kelly Oubre chip before the deadline, now suddenly you're going into the summer as the Warriors going, well, like, they, they can't use that Kelly Oubre money elsewhere, and so now it makes sense to re-sign him, but he's going to be going into negotiations like, look, I know how valuable my salary slot is. I know you can't get my money elsewhere, and you spent – you know, three weeks shopped me around the league. So I don't feel like, you know, too connected to you as a franchise right now. And that's kind of what the Lakers are dealing with with Schroeder. You know, they're not as cash strapped, cap strapped as the Warriors, but they kind of are too, you know, like um, now that they've passed the deadline with Dennis Schroeder on the roster, he kind of gets back into the more power position in this relationship, right? Because, you know, it's not simple to just suddenly take his salary slot this summer and, and point it to another point guard. And they used a valuable asset to get him, right? They spent a first-round pick they sent with, with Danny Green to get him. So, you know, what matters is what he does in the playoffs and, and, and the market he sets. And he needs to make sure he gets other suitors that would pay him this summer. But he kind of, you know, he, he kind of now is in the power position. And to that point, um, when Horse reported, you know, the, the four years, 84 million, which is about their max extension, I think they could offer it might go up to 86 million. Um, so, and as he said, you know, it's unclear if, if that was fully guaranteed or what the incentives were on that. Um, you know, I, I've heard his figure could be as high as mid twenties, um, that, that he's looking for, uh, you know, you know, definitely 20 plus, but, but, you know, approaching that, you know, 23 to 25 million. And that's just really high for Dennis Schroeder, right? Like, um, I think he's a really good player. I, I think he's impressed. I think he showed he is a starting level point guard. But, you know, that is like all-star level money. And for the, I mean, uh, our, our colleague John Hollinger has wrote about it, uh, you know, especially in the offseason, like, you know, the, the, the bird rights trap. And I think you've, you've seen different teams have to overpay to keep guys. Oh, yeah. And you, you look across the hall at what the Clippers had to pay to keep Marcus Morris, you know, 16 million a year, uh, four year, $64 million deal. I, I mean, Marcus has had a, a solid season. I don't think he's worth that contract. Uh, and even if he's worth it this year, I don't think he's going to be worth it down the road. And I think if you're the Lakers, you, you got to look at the situation and be like, you know, are, are we going to pay this guy four years, a hundred million, right? Are we going to pay him three years, 75 million? Is that worth it? And, you know, there, there is a level of you can't really replace him if he leaves. Well, it's the salary slot. Contending teams can't waste that salary slot, which, which yeah, it, it puts him in a bind. But it's also like, do, do you want like Eric Bledsoe 2.0, right? Uh, where the, the guy, you just give him, you're kind of forced to give him this deal that may cost, I mean, it could cost them Alex Caruso or Taylor Horton Tucker depending on the, the the type of offers those guys get. And, and then, you know, I it's just, it's so hard to say w- without really knowing how he looks in a playoff setting. Because with Bledsoe, even before that contract, we had seen him struggle a little bit in Milwaukee in the playoffs. So that already kind of made it a shaky situation. Um, I think with Dennis, like if he delivers, right, and, and you win the championship, you kind of have to bring him back almost that, you know, as long as it's not like 30 million or something, you almost have to bring him back. But I, I do think there is a downside of because I also look at it right now where I'm like, you know, and I said this last podcast, it's like th- this is kind of his it, this is also his time, I think, to earn his contract. Right. Like it, it is the playoffs and, and it is going to be how do you play against the Clippers? How do you play against the Suns? How do you play against the Nuggets? Uh, I mean, how do you play against the Nets potentially? Right. 
But it's also now where AD and LeBron are out. And if you're asking to get paid for, you know, 20 plus million, 23 to 25 million, you should be winning. You know, this team should be winning more games than they are right now. Right. And like if you are that all star level shot creator and ball handler and playmaker, you'll lead this team to some wins that they probably shouldn't get. So that, that that's that's where I'm kind of at with it, where if you know, we'll, we'll see over the next couple of weeks when LeBron and AD get back, how the team fares. But if this team goes like one in seven over their next eight games without LeBron and AD, I don't think that bodes well for for a Dennis future, right? Because it's just like it, it, you're being basically the third star if you're getting paid that much. And I don't, I think he's probably been their third best player overall, but I wouldn't necessarily categorize him as like a third star. And I, I just, I think that might be too much money personally. Yeah. I mean, like, but when Milwaukee makes the bread blood, so pledge, I mean, for number one, he's playing better at the time, but also their thought is if you do, you know, need to move off him later, you at least got the salary slot to move off him. And truthfully, you know, he helped them, you know, do the Drew Holiday deal. They needed that money in this Drew Holiday deal. Now, now suddenly it's New Orleans that's sitting there like, you know, kind of uh, with a grenade on the roster, but New Orleans also got a bunch of picks in that deal. So I, the idea would be, I think Schroeder has them, like I said, a little bit in a bind where the the Lakers probably are going to end up having to pay him. And, and then, you know, they can ship him next trade deadline. They can shop him around, but you know, his value will be dependent on how he plays. But he'll also set his own market value with how he plays the rest of the season. It is interesting. Uh, I feel like we should get into one more topic. Since they did sign a guy who might potentially be their starting center. Uh, I know Andre Drummond is yet to play a game for the Lakers. But you guys have talked to him. Two things. Just what's your early sense on the signing? And then also, like, do you feel like they have pretty much told him he is the starting center? Going to get 20-something minutes a night? Yeah. I actually reported that yesterday. That from... What I've been told, he is going to be the starting center whenever he makes his debut, and and that is the expectation moving forward. There was obviously a bit of a, a bidding war for Drummond, and choosing the Lakers, he chose winning over situation, right? Where he could have gone to Boston or New York or Charlotte, been the clear starting center and a clear closer you know, potential centerpiece for some of those teams. And he chose to come to the Lakers where obviously he's going to fall in line behind LeBron and AD and, you know, have to sacrifice some of the the shots and points that he's accustomed to. So I do think part of that trade-off was, okay, but I'm going to be the starting center and that was agreed upon. So from what I've been told, he is going to start. I mean, I think I think he said all the right things um, in his intro presser. Like he seems like a nice guy. Uh, he He, you know, doesn't, he didn't really expound, go into much detail or expound upon a lot of like follow up questions and stuff about why he chose. Like he basically just said, you know, I want to win. You know, he was kind of talking about not winning his career and, and how important it is to win a championship and um, help the Lakers win a championship and, and play whatever role they want from him. Um, now, I mean, I I think it's going to be interesting because, um, you know, I think this can go one of two ways where I think. Drummond has been up to this point in his career a good stats, bad teams guy, right? He's only made the playoffs twice. He's 0 and 8 in the playoffs, um, but he's put up some historic numbers. You know, the, his rebounding numbers are, uh, I think he has the, the highest rebound percentage of all time and, or, you know, in that conversation. And, 
you know, but there's been a lot of like the analytics community is very, very kind of against Andre Drummond and saying he's he's overrated and his rebounding doesn't help. And there's a lot of data that suggests his teams have actually rebounded better with, with him off the floor. So I think it's, it's going to kind of either expose that and, and kind of show, OK, Drummond has kind of been this guy with some bad habits and um, in, in losing cultures. And, and he isn't necessarily that difference maker that his numbers would suggest. Or I think it could go the opposite way where, you know, I it really kind of elevates his game and then playing next to LeBron and AD brings out the best version of him. And he's like a supercharged Montrez Harrell or like JaVale McGee, where all he's doing is offensive rebounds, rolling, dunking, blocking shots, you know, protecting the paint, being active on the glass. And if, if he's doing all that, like he's a perfect fit, right? But it's the other stuff. It's the ISOs. It's the drives. It's the, you know, doing too much offensively. It's the not caring defensively where he runs into some trouble. So I think it's going to go one of two ways. And I'm fascinated by it and just really interested to see which way it goes. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. It's really hard to win a championship when you have a 25-minute, 30-minute big who can be exposed defensively. I don't know if Drummond can be. We've never seen him play defense at a playoff level. We're about to find out if he's picked on and pick and roll, if he's in a series where a team feels like he's the weak link. Um, and, and they go at him. If, if Denver's, you know, just bringing Jokic up and getting Jamal Murray in, in a bunch of action. And, you know, do you have to bench him in those types of situations? It's, it's similar to what we've talked about with Montrez Harrell, but, um, he, he can have this idea of he's going to start and he's going to be a major piece. But to me, I'm, I'm mostly just watching what he can be defensively. Cause I've always, I mentioned that last week. I've always thought he's a little bit overrated on that end. Um, but he's gonna have a chance to 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 prove he's not. I mean, he's he's more ni- he like he's he's more nimble than maybe it would be suggested. But we'll see. I'm also curious. Like, does he think he's coming to a big offensive role when when um, LeBron and uh, AD are back? Because I know like some of the stats in Cleveland this year were like he just tried an absurd amount of like ISO post ups and like was not efficient. But you know, and his idea there is like, look, I'm the best player on the team. Of course, like post me up. Their offense should run through me. But he's always thought that. Now, does he not think that? Can he be? You know, you mentioned Javale. Javale, even though Javale has his own desires offensively, he's always at least from going to the Warriors, he's he be, he came to understand like there will never be a play called for me. Now I might you know, get free for a lob. I might get an offensive rebound. A, you know, a ball might get to me, but they're not going to dump it down in the post. Like, do you think a healthy Lakers in the playoffs are going to ever be dumping it down to Andre Drummond in the post? And do you think he knows that the answer is probably no to that? Well, he, he did start his press conference off by, by talking about defense and, and saying that that's the area he's most excited for with the Lakers is being that defensive presence for them, protecting the paint, um, I mean, to your point, like, uh, you know, I, I think he, he reminds, I mean, honestly, he, he reminds me of Trez in a lot of ways. Um, you know, they, they are different players, but I, I think 
seeing the way Trez functions with the Lakers, I, I really think Andre Drummond can basically do everything Trez does just at a higher level. You know, he, he doesn't have that relentless motor that Trez has. And, you know, that's kind of been one of the, the criticisms of Drummond um, is that even, you know, despite his rebounding numbers, his motor is sometimes called into question. But I, I feel like he can function and basically do, you know, all like he's a better rebounder than Trez. So, you know, Trez has been a good offensive rebounder for the Lakers, but Drummond's an even better offensive rebounder. So you can do that. He can roll. He can finish. Um, he, he can hang out in the dunker spot. And, you know, be ready for dump off passes. And then defensively, it's kind of similar thing where he, the numbers suggest Trez and Drummond are like, you know, average to above average defenders. But the eye test obviously doesn't. You know, you watch them get exposed in pick and rolls or rotations like they have their limitations. But Drummond just is bigger than Trez. You know, he, he's a few inches bigger than him. Uh, he, he's what, 20, 30 pounds uh, heavier than him. So I do think. He can, and he's actually, you know, really good at steals and like he, he will put up steals and blocks, even though some of that is empty calorie stuff. Like, I just think he can basically amass that Trez role and just do everything at a higher level, basically. Um, now, to your point about the, the offense, like, I do think he's going to get some post ups without LeBron and AD, and it's going to probably look similar to Cleveland. Um, I mean, this is the worst two point shooting uh, season of his career, which I think is discouraging, right? Because um, you know, that's usually something that trends down towards the end of your career. Uh, so I, I don't think that's like a, a, a positive sign for him kind of bouncing back. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the 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 playoff version of Drummond uh, is probably going to have a slightly reduced role because you're going to see more AD at the five. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, unless he has a mismatch, I, I don't really see them doing a bunch of post-ups for him. Um, and maybe it's like a thing where, I remember the Clippers with DeAndre Jordan would would run like the first play of the game for him, give him a post up, and, and then maybe give him another post up or two just to kind of keep him engaged. That's the Kendrick Perkins. Thunder used to do that, and he, ooh, Kendrick was those were some rough looking post ups with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook on the floor. But yeah, that's you get you get big man's juiced up mentally to go on the other end and play defense if you do that. And just as a callback quickly to what we were talking about earlier, I just went through the depth chart of every team in the league and looked at either like a starting point guard better than Dennis Schroeder or a young point guard that the team is grooming. And really, I think the only teams that you could make a case for him would be Dallas, although that would be a material shift in their starting lineup. Like, But you, you could make the case he'd be Dallas's best non-Luka option. And you know we've seen them go with smaller guards next to Luka. Uh, Houston, but that's a rebuilding situation, so I don't know if you want to tie up a bunch of money to Dennis. Um, OKC, but he was already in OKC, and I don't see them re-signing him. Or Orlando. And you know maybe he just goes and gets paid and, and goes to Orlando. But, th- I mean, they have Fultz, they have Cole Anthony. So, like, I don't know. Like, that, that's where I'm like, if you're, you know, Dennis has some leverage and he is going to play hardball with the Lakers, but I'm also like, I don't see a, a clear fit for him. Uh, Detroit is another one uh, that, you know, but but they're also rebuilding. So I don't know. I, I don't see a clear fit for him that he'll just go make 20 plus million and be the starting point guard. Like it might only end up being the Lakers, right? Like, I, I mean, I just don't see it. Troy Weaver, former Thunder uh, exec is in Detroit and has 
gravitated towards former Thunder players early on in his tenure there. So Yeah, I mean, that could be the name to watch. Yeah, no, it's interesting. All right, Jovan, appreciate you uh, talking me through some of this, and we will talk next week on the Forum Club. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.